Welcome to the City Collective Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's good to see everyone's faces. And uh, if this is your first time here, I didn't introduce myself. My name is Jason. Uh, I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here at City Collective. And we say it every week, wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, not sure about Jesus at all, uh, we hope that, th- that this is a safe space for you uh, and that you can find a space to reflect and to consider some of the co- conversations and questions we're asking this morning. As I mentioned, we're coming to the end of a series called It's Complicated, looking at relationships in our life. Throughout the fall, we were essentially just going through verse by verse uh, the Gospel of Matthew, and we were looking at what the words of Jesus were inviting us into, this, this conversation of the kingdom of God. And sometimes there can feel like there's a disconnect between what we might read in the Bible or this invitation of the kingdom and it's this, this lofty aspiration or idea and, and how do we actually see that apply and stick to the everyday realities of our life because the reality of our life is that you have relationships and you have relationships that are difficult. Um, whether it is your relationship with God, with others, with yourself, there are deep challenges that we face on a day-to-day basis on how we navigate relationships. Now, as we get started, I want you to to help me out with something. How many of you, and let's be honest now, how many of you tend to think of yourselves as a a good driver, driver, a good responsible driver? Put those hands up for me, please, in the room. Are you a good responsible driver? I love the confidence from the right side. Lean into it, That, that, that means that you truly are. I love it. So I don't know, like, let's, 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 let's put it around like 80, 80 to 85% of the room said with confidence, yes, I am a good driver. Now, what do you think is the percentage of good drivers when you are actually driving? I don't think that number is maybe so high. Uh, perhaps it's a little bit lower than the 80%. And you might have confidence in yourself, but maybe not so much in others. We probably hold a a higher view of our driving abilities than what is warranted. But if if you have an active driver's license, you had to go through a process. At least I hope you went through a process. Uh, We we do live in the country of Canada where you have a test, where you have to know what's going on before you actually are allowed to legally drive. I, I won't hold it against you at this moment if there was some illegal driving that took place without that test being passed. But there was a booklet that was given to you a set of rules and ideas of of how you were to actually navigate the road alongside individuals who were driving that you might not actually call responsible drivers. And then there was a test that you had to pass. And and there 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 was pieces that were involved so that you could get to a point where you were driving on the road alongside other individuals who've also passed the same test that if you've passed this test, you've read the book, if you've gone through the rules, you've you've agreed on the terms of how you're going to navigate the road around you. 
When I wrote the test for myself, I, I was in Alberta at the time, so I had an Alberta driver's license, and when we came out here to BC, I had to get a BC driver's license, and it's not dramatically different from province to province. Sure, there's some little things, there's way more traffic circles here. Um, the, in the city of Calgary, it feels like there's cops on every corner, so you actually do follow the speed limit. It's not the case out here in the lower mainland. Uh, there, there's lots of different things that were perhaps a little bit different, but it was, it was similar. In the middle of that transition from Alberta to BC, I spent two months at a, at a mission hospital in the south of India. And let me tell you, driving in India is very, very different than it is in the province of Alberta or the province of BC. In fact, uh, I visited small towns and major cities. I was there with people who knew how to drive because I was definitely not going to get behind the wheel of a car when driving in that area. And it was very evident very quickly that for, for me, my experience driving there was a little bit of a nightmare. It didn't matter how comfortable I felt at home here in Canada. I was unprepared for the challenges of driving there. The density of people, the, the previous assumptions, the variety of the sizes of vehicles, the lack of lanes on the road or the adherence to the lack of lanes on, on the road. It was a chaotic, dramatically different experience to drive there than it was here. You just, you just don't drive too fast because you don't want to hit anyone too hard because they actually do use their bumpers when they're driving. It was just, it was just different. The rules are different, and what feels perfectly normal here is almost ridiculous there. And in our conversation about relationships, I think this is true as well. Like I said, we've talked about our relationship with God, relationship with others, relationship with ourselves. But this morning, I want to consider a question. How do your relationships navigate change. And so I mean going from being a high school student to living on campus at a university. How does that impact your relationship with your, with your family? Going from being single to married, how does that impact your friendships? Having kids, or to not having kids, to, to having kids, how does that impact the, the primary relationships in your life? Growing older and Noticing that your, your parents are growing older, or on the flip side, getting older and knowing, noticing that your kids are getting older. What does that relational dynamic look like? We are inevitably experiencing change in our life. However, I think we are actually extremely ignorant in how we approach our relationships in the midst of change. We are creatures of habit. And far too often, we have a passive approach in how our relationships are going to change from season to season. And what we do is we continue to follow the same rule book that we had from a different season in a different time at a different place. And though the culture might change, though the city might change, though the, the space of life might change, we're still driving down the road in the same manner, expecting the same results, even though we're in a completely different country. 
the reality is the rules of your life are going to change. The rules of, of how your relationships operate are going to change. But how do we actually prepare for that? Respond to that and do so in a way that is reflective of Christ. There's an invitation that we're given over and over again to be like Christ. But to do so in the reality of life is easier said than done. There's much more than just a nice saying or maybe a quippy paradigm. It's an intentionality that comes with it. So maybe you're, maybe you're new to church or this is the first time in a long time. You're like, okay, now we get the rules of what it is to be a Christian. Uh, there are most certainly some spaces in life that we can consider black and white as a follower of Jesus. Do not murder. Do not lust. Should we be forgiving? Yes. Should we be generous? Yes. Those are some black and white aspects of the invitation of being a follower of Jesus. But far too often, we are not aware of the areas that actually have a little bit of gray to them. And they're often based in relationship. So the question I wanted to explore today is how do I be like Christ in my relationships when they have stopped being healthy? How do I be like Christ in my relationships when they have stopped being healthy? And what we're talking about is relational intelligence. And relational intelligence is the ability to define and properly align relationships. Jim Collins, he, he paints a picture and he puts it like this. He says that relational intelligence is the ability to determine who is on the bus of your life, what seat they have on that bus, and how you need to manage them once they're in that seat. Sometimes our relationships are far too extreme in how we approach them. We are quick to offense. We're quick to experience hurt and have that be the primary decision maker in how we're going to treat our relationships. And our cultural approach to relationships is you do you. So if somebody harms you, you cut them out dramatically. There are times and seasons where we need to be aware of how God is inviting us to maybe have some space. But for that to be our default expression is actually revealing of a lacking foundation in our relationships. I so believe that you can't get life right if you are getting relationships wrong. And here's the thing. Everybody is equally valuable in the eyes of God. But everyone does not add equal value to you. And that's okay. So therefore, the practical application of relational intelligence in our lives is boundaries. Part of managing relationships is knowing when to set boundaries, how to set boundaries, and where to set boundaries. And the mistake we often make is that we, 
our boundaries, they, they can sabotage God's intention for our relationships. God wants your relationships to flourish. That is a baseline that we can hold on to. God has designed you with the intention of relationship. Therefore, he wants your relationships to flourish. But boundaries is also an element that he wants us to have wisdom in. And too often, we approach boundaries as our opportunity to just ditch the person that we thought, man, they, we, they should have been gone a long time ago. Instead of approaching it with maybe a wisdom because they might need to be on your bus. They just might be in the wrong seat. They need to be maybe managed a little bit differently in how you actually approach that relationship. Boundaries aren't protecting us from relationships. They are protecting us for relationships. Boundaries are meant for your relationships to flourish. They are protecting us from relationships. They are protecting us for relationships. And if we're talking about relationships, then we're talking about Jesus because Jesus is constantly a relational, always present, always compassionate individual in the lives of those around him. And he invites us into relationship. So we're going to read a couple passages. And then we're going to look at five ways that the life of Jesus exemplifies how to live with boundaries. So we're going to read Ephesians 5 verses 1 to 2 and then John 2 verses 23 to 25. Ephesians says, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then in John chapter 2, Tells, it brings us to the story of Christ and it says, Now while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. I find this fascinating. A central doctrine of Christianity is the incarnation, this idea that God became flesh, that God assumed a human nature and became a man in the form of Jesus. And in the combination of these two verses, I think it really exemplifies how this is God in the form of man and God in the form of spirit. This, this, this is the dynamic that we are constantly confronted we can have this, this aspirational goal that of, of loving people, of being like Christ. I need to love people all around us. And then we can have a sense of affinity with Jesus' skepticism of the people around us. Both can be true. Because I've, I've seen how relationships can be the greatest thing in our lives and it can also be the most painful. Can we live our lives without ever experiencing relational wounding? No. The reality is no. Because to love requires vulnerability. And for those of you in the room who have been hurt and have made a decision that you no longer want to be hurt and are doing it through the approach of completely walling yourself off. 
to live without vulnerability is to abandon the idea of love. This is why we have conversations of boundaries. Because we want to choose the spaces where our vulnerability are going to cause our lives to flourish. Because there's a difference between, between being vulnerable and being irresponsible. And relational intelligence begins with boundaries. There's some great resources on boundaries of people who are far more adept and, and influential and, and, and far more well thought than myself on the idea of boundaries. Uh, within the Christian community, there's a book called Boundaries by Dr. Henry, uh, Henry Townsend and Dr. Cloud, and uh, it's got some great principles. In 2021, there was a book that came out called Set Boundaries, Find Peace by uh, Nadra Tawab, and it's got some great insight as well if you're looking for more resources around this conversation after today. But this morning, I want to look at five ways in which boundaries were established in Jesus' life and ministry. And number one, boundaries are all about kindness, both to ourselves and to others. And here's the thing, orthodoxy leads to orthopraxy. This means that right doctrine leads to right practice. And there's something theologically we need to embrace. At a baseline, people are designed for love, but they are not designed for unlimited access. Psychology Today puts it like this. The whole point of having boundaries is so that we can contain ourselves within the parameters of where I stop and others begin. And, and we need to get this right before we start setting strong boundaries in our life. Because maybe you've experienced this. That you've actually got to this place where you have recognized that the relationship at hand is not a healthy one. And so you've decided a boundary needed to be put in place. And far too often the response that we receive from the other person is that we have in some way harmed them. It is not always a joyful expression when you tell them, hey, hey, we need to spend maybe less time together. Awesome. I'm so thrilled about that as well. High five. Let's, let's see each other in three months. It's, it's not always that kind of response that you experience. So in order for us to get to this place where we can practice a healthy thing like setting boundaries, we have to have a doctrine and understanding that's based out of our relationship with God that is going to allow us to sustain and be able to survive moments such like that. Sometimes, especially within our culture, we mix up the idea of truth with cruelty. Hear me on this. If, if there is an unhealthy relationship in your life in need of boundaries, speaking the truth is not a cruel thing. In fact, it could be the kindest thing you could do, not just for yourself, but for them as well. And we're not doing this from a foundation of, I just want to make my life the best, but we're looking to do it from a place of kindness. And kindness always considers both parties at play. Kindness doesn't isolate your decision and the impact of it to yourself. Kindness also considers the other, and kindness chooses to fight for the health of the relationship above all things. We talked about the story uh, from the Gospels a couple weeks ago, 
where, where Jesus confronts Peter. Peter is, is elevating himself and he's, he's saying that he would never abandon Jesus. That if all the other disciples abandoned Jesus, he would still be by his side. And you can see the pride almost welling up within Peter as he's saying it. And Jesus confronts him within that. He, he recognizes what ta- is taking place. That Peter in his pride was not able to actually walk the journey of self-sacrifice that Jesus needed to walk. And so he confronts him with the truth. But we know it is from a place of kindness. Because even after that moment takes place where, where Peter rejects Jesus three times in front of his peers and he feels this deep shame and this deep guilt, Jesus finds him after the resurrection and they're sitting around the fire and he invites him into the kingdom that he's building here on earth. There was not an abandonment of the person because there was kindness that was leading the place of truth. Sometimes we just live in these extremes. I'm going to be gracious, so I'm going to let someone that is unhealthy rule my emotions. Or I'm going to be a person of truth, and I'm going to run down anyone who comes in my way. There's a reason why the approach of Jesus is hand in hand, grace and truth. And the kindness of God is that which leads us to repentance. It is almost, it's, it's, it's a paradox that conflicts the way that culture wants us to approach our relationships. But boundaries are all about kindness. Sometimes the kindest action you can do is to set a boundary. And, see, and in seasons of change, I have found that the establishment of boundaries is often a necessary inclusion in order to preserve relationships that I have. But we don't do it because it's a rule. We do it from a place of kindness. And kindness gives our boundaries the pliability needed to survive seasons of change and to love people appropriately. Your boundaries won't always be seen as kind, but they need to be founded from a place of kindness. Number two, boundaries, they place honesty at the foundation of relationships. If, if you've ever come across stories of, of Christ in the Bible, Jesus was incredibly honest. He was a relational God. And he was always entering into relationship with those who were seeking help, those who were seeking guidance, those who just wanted to spend time with him. Jesus always brought honesty to the forefront. And he wasn't just bringing a consistent honesty from himself. He carried an expectation of honesty in those he was interacting with. In Matthew 20, verses 32 to 34, Jesus is expecting others to actually state their needs. It says that Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Jesus' question to the blind man was relational. I want, I want to know you and I want you to be reaching into this relationship. He wanted to be invited into their journey because of his perfect love. He doesn't force us to choose him. In fact, we can take this principle and apply it to our relationships. One of the most powerful things that you can do in your relationships here and now is that you can ask questions that seek for clarity. 
And especially when relationships begin to change because our seasons of life are changing, how are you seeking clarity in those relationships? With honesty. I am guilty of being conflict adverse. And when I am conflict adverse, I am adverse to honesty. I have a tough time saying it like it is. But honesty is required in order for relationships to survive. And here's the thing. Long-standing relationships, they often hold assumption and experience as the primary value. Oh, we just, we just know each other. But this is a really poor foundation for communication in the midst of change. Think of it this way. Um, perhaps you had a, a friend that just had a, a baby. And you're super excited for them. And you were re you're really understanding that, oh, like life is going to change. It's going to get really busy for them. They're, they're probably like up all night. Like I, I, I'm just going to just be thinking of them from a distance. I'm going to give them the space that they need. And when they're ready, they'll, 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 they'll let me know. We're friends like that. And then life changes and life goes by and three months goes by and four months goes by and five months goes by. And then you start to wonder, why haven't they said anything to me recently? We used to go out all the time for food. And I, I remember they used to send me these text messages that encouraged me in the middle of the day. I don't get that from them anymore. And so you soon begin to make assumptions about where they're at because there hasn't been communication about the relationship that was about to experience change. And there isn't honesty because that wasn't at the foundation. Instead, it was just assumption. The foundation of your relationship is I'm just going to assume that they're going to tell me what is good when it's good because it's always just been that way. But if long-standing relationships have the foundation of assumption, then relationships that, sound, that survive change have the foundation of honesty. Can you be honest in your relationships now so that you can prepare those relationships to survive a season of change? You might not be experiencing change right now, and you're like, my relationships are great. These things that we're talking about, kindness and honesty, they should be at the, the foundation of what those relationships you are flourishing in are now. Because then you will be ready for when those seasons of change come. It is being honest about what you expect and desire in a relationship so that you can anticipate how that might be impacted in the midst of life changes. Number three, boundaries hold to an identity. And this is important because Jesus was unafraid of saying no to that which was inappropriate. He spoke truth to love to those stuck and to those who were wrong. And he was able to do this because he had a deep sense of identity. Personal boundaries actually expose what you hold as your identity. They're like property lines around a home. This is my property and that is not my property. This is me, what I value, what I'm good at, what I believe, what I feel, what I need. And that's not me. Are you able to say no to inappropriate behavior? And it doesn't even need to be such a, such a dramatic way of looking at it. Are you able to say no to behavior that may be accepted by a group but is no longer true of you? Let me explain what I mean. 
I, I have noticed this more and more as I've gotten older and experienced life change for myself, going from uh, being single to married and married to having a, a, a baby. This is, this is something that you see all around us, and I've seen it within friend groups, that our families can actually be the space where history is the foundation of the relationship, especially shared experiences. And the manner in which you remember people to be in those moments is the identity we believe them to always hold. Have you ever experienced this? Life progresses and you feel like, man, I have gotten better at how I talk to myself. My, my anxiety has really lessened in this last season. I feel like I've done some good work. And then you sit down at the dinner table with your family. Something comes up and someone makes a quip or a remark because, oh, this is just who Sally has always been. There's, a, there's this assumption that because we had this shared experience before, this is who you've always been and this is who you'll always be. And this is often what can create roots of resentment within our family structures. Because we show up in our family settings and we say to ourselves, they don't know me. They think they know me, but they really don't. I'm not that same person. And every time I'm back with them, I feel like I'm being pulled back down. And then resentment festers. And the thing that we forget in the midst of this is that you have suddenly discovered your identity, but you have not communicated it to those around you. Here's the thing. It's okay to tell your family or tell those you love or tell a friend, that's just not me anymore. I found freedom from that. I, I, don't, I don't actually carry that anymore. I, I've actually started to show up on time for things. I, I'm still struggling with it, I'll say that. <laughs> it's okay to, to go through change in life and progress in life and then to celebrate and talk about it we got to stop being so subtle that we think it's humility when it's actually just destructive to the relationships that we want to see flourish. I want you to be seen within the spaces that you feel loved. This is why sometimes change can be so debilitating to our relationships because they don't hold that foundation of honesty or of kindness and we have not presented our true identity for the boundaries to be stated. Perhaps a boundary that you need to set for yourself is in the next family gathering or in the next friend gathering or the reunion that you're going back into that you are actually going to speak up and say something for yourself when something is said about you that is no longer true. Imagine if those that you love or want to be loved by actually knew you. How much more life-giving could those relationships be? The experience that you're having, that we all have, 
It's not isolated to us. Jesus experiences it himself. In Luke 4, it outlines how Jesus was driven out of his own hometown because he was not the son of God. He was not the Messiah. He was not a rabbi with incredible teaching around him. He was Joseph's son. He was remembered as one thing and therefore could only be seen as one thing. It's good to sometimes realize that our good Savior has some of these same experiences that we do. You're not just someone's son. You're not just someone's brother or sister. You are who God has made you to be, full of imagination and creativity and power and strength and vitality and purpose. That is who God has designed you and made you to be. And sometimes you need to declare that for those around you. Number four, uh, boundaries, they live in reality. This can be a challenge. Sometimes we, and Jesus himself, he experienced this, that when he was in this pain of, garden, of the Garden of Gethsemane, he's crying out to God and his relationship with the Father is, is being contested and it's difficult and it's hard. Sometimes we avoid be living in reality in our relationships because we want to avoid the hard conversation. And sometimes our greatest hindrance of setting boundaries in our lives is our inability to live in the reality of the relationships that we're in. Are you able to actually call out what your relationship has turned into? Maybe it isn't as you remember it to be. We need to have a sense of reality in how we approach our relationships. The Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. Sometimes when we don't have, live in a place of reality, we're not able to actually recognize those who we're allowing into our life. Because sometimes we are prone to have those who have money, who have competence, who have chemistry, who have charisma, to have a voice that speaks into our situation when in reality, those who should have access to the most vulnerable parts of our life are those with character. It's not about someone's personality type that suddenly makes them the right person to allow into your most vulnerable spaces. Just because someone is extroverted doesn't mean they're good with people. It means you like being with people. It doesn't mean people like being with you. I'm an extrovert, so I feel that one. And on the flip side, being an introvert doesn't mean you're discerning. A label is not the, the, the manner in which you actually hold character. And it's not the way that we actually make assumptions of people. Do you have a realistic impression of your current relationships? And how might your boundaries be different if you weren't avoiding being realistic about them? And number five, boundaries start with self-awareness. Worship team, you can join me on the stage. Henry Nouwen, he says this. He says, when people show you their boundaries you feel rejected. Part of your struggle is to set boundaries to your own love. Only when you are able to set your own boundaries will you be able to acknowledge, respect, and even be grateful for the boundaries of others. Relational intelligence requires boundaries and boundaries require self-awareness. Are you carrying resentment towards others because of the boundaries they've created because you haven't created boundaries for yourself? We're all going to experience change in the midst of our lives. 
And change can look like a variety of different things, but in the midst of change, this is what I often find. Your social tank is completely depleted. Your love languages aren't being met. Your likes and your dislikes are disregarded. What is life-giving needs to be shelved for a little bit, and what is exhausting often feels emphasized. One of the most powerful tools of self-awareness is that in the midst of those seasons of change, we actually lean into the gift of prayer because we've misdiagnosed the purpose of prayer. Purpose of prayer is not to move the hand of God. The purpose of prayer is to move our hearts closer to Him. And in the midst of the seasons of change that we find ourselves in, to be close to the presence of God, to be in the presence of God, is the safest place that you will find yourself. Because you will find a God who is kind. You'll find a God who is generous, who is full of love for you and for me, who's honest and truthful, but who invites us day after day. I know where you've been. I know where your heart has gone, but you know what? I love you the same. Come find rest in me. One of the most powerful boundaries that you can set for yourself in the season of change and living through a space of self-awareness is actually having a boundary that you have spaces of prayer in your life. Where you prioritize the safest space in the midst of seasons of change. So change is hard. And often the cost of change feels like the relationships in our lives that we most value. But remember what we said at the beginning. Boundaries aren't protecting us from relationships. They're protecting us for relationships. So the best way to set boundaries for later is to implement the characteristics and values of Christ in the now. To be kind, to be honest, to be truthful, to find your identity in the Father, to live in reality and have a self-awareness that draws us back into his presence over and over. love for us as a church, for us as followers of Jesus, to stop being boundary makers that are purely reactive, but we're proactive. That we say to ourselves, I know change is coming. And I love this relationship. I want my relationship with my mom and my dad to survive every season of change. So at the foundation of it, I want us to have kindness. I want us to have honesty. I want to be self-aware and I want to speak truth because I want that relationship to flourish. What relationship in your life feels like it's on its last breaths that you could inject life into by simply carrying a characteristic of Christ that we talked about today? And what relationship in your life are you holding on to that you need to create a boundary around? They need to maybe move seats in your bus or maybe they need to come off the bus for a season. Can we live in reality, but can we live with honesty? You are designed for relationship, therefore you are designed to flourish in them. This is the promise of a good God and it's the promise that's meant for you. Would you pray with me? 
Heavenly Father, we offer this this morning to you. In all the relationships and the struggles that we are carrying as individuals, as, as they might be drawn to the forefront of our minds, I just pray that there's a deep sense of peace that rests upon the hearts of those who are here this morning and watching online. Thank you that your presence meets us where we're at. So, Holy Spirit, this morning, if there are wounds that have been touched upon, lost relationships, broken relationships that feel too far gone and, and there's a grieving that's taking place, I just pray that you would give us boldness and courage this morning to respond to you, to respond to your presence and come near to you so that we might find the peace, the healing, and the love that our soul craves. For those here that might not know you, Father, I just pray that you would meet them right there. That even as they're sitting in their seat, they might just sense this, it's like washing over of, of rest that comes upon them. This intangible element of the supernatural taking place in our natural midst. Make us a people who carry this relational intelligence, this, this, these boundaries with the wisdom that you desire for us. Give us eyes to see how, your, how our lives can flourish in the relationships that you desire for us. May it be so. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope it encouraged and blessed you in your walk with our Lord Jesus Christ. To keep up with City Collective, make sure to check us out on Instagram and Facebook at City Collective Church. Have a great week.